Support for Healthcare Americana comes from Freedom HealthWorks. With Freedom HealthWorks, physicians, employers, and patients can thrive in direct care. Visit FreedomHealthWorks.com to start your journey into direct care today. From Freedom HealthWorks, it's Healthcare Americana, a show about innovators, idealists, and pioneers in healthcare. These are their stories. I am your host, Christopher Haley. A big gotcha point for the critics of cash healthcare services is the catastrophic car accident or hit by a bus scenario. What are people supposed to do when something major and unexpected happens to them and their life is at risk? It's a good point, unfortunately, because emergent care is forced to play directly into the hands of really the worst offenders of waste and spending in the healthcare industry. Emergency rooms are controlled by hospital systems, and those hospital systems are beholden to insurance carriers. As is the case in this day and age, someone saw an opportunity to disrupt the stranglehold on medical services provided to someone that might be unconscious, scared, or out of options. Cash pay or direct care, emergent care is actually a thing. Joining me today is Peyton Vulich of the Emergency Center, a physician-owned, independent, freestanding ERs in Texas. You can pre-buy these emergency room visits for your employees. You can pay for them up front or you can pay at the end of the year, but it's kind of a flat fee and you're not having to worry about these crazy bills. Peyton, where did this idea come from? First, let me say thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to, to um, let your listeners know a little bit more about us. How we came to be, we're actually, like you said, we're a um, physician-owned um, all of them were ER physicians, and they saw a real need. They saw that um, just the fact that somebody was coming in with an emergency in an emergency situation and having to pay these crazy deductibles, they just felt like that was wrong altogether. And um, you know, and, and a lot of times um, being penalized for going to the ER by their um, by their employer because it actually wasn't an emergency. It was just, you know, acid reflux and, or, or um, you know, a panic attack. It actually wasn't a heart attack. So mm-hmm. they decided to um, create these, these freestanding ERs and offer, you know, just a, a different experience altogether. Um, you know, we're, we're, yes, we're 24, 7, 365, but um, we guarantee no wait. We will, you will leave with a, um, you know, the three day med pack, we have, um, you know, CT options, we have imaging, we have lab, um, all on site, um, you know, observation capabilities, um, for 23 hours. And, um, it's really a a concierge, um, experience and, um, transparent pricing. So that was really important to them. And, um, they're really passionate about it. and, And I have become very passionate about it as well. So you listed off a lot of services that you're able to provide there and a lot of things that could be very, very attractive to people. Is there one of those items? So no weights, meds, labs on site. Is there one that makes the emergency center more attractive to people? Um, You know, I think that um, the fact that there is no weight when we're hearing uh, stories about people, you know, having, having, chest pains and they're going to the emergency room and they're waiting for four or five hours in the emergency room. And just recently heard of a, I think it was a 34 year old woman who died in a waiting room waiting and she had um, cardiac arrest. So um, I think the no wait is huge. Um, and, you know, we kind of have a plan in place to, to guarantee the, the no wait and it's been working for us. And so I think that that right off the bat is really important to people. 
Yeah, I, I think so. And especially when you say, you know, people are dying in waiting rooms or going through immense amount of pain, suffering. Um, so tell us, take a step back here, Peyton, tell us kind of from a 30,000 foot view, how this works. How does the emergency center work when so many people are saying, oh, this is the one area of healthcare that, you know, it's going to be the hardest to change, but you guys are, t- you guys are changing it. How? We are. Um, you know, the, the emergency center has um, partnered with On Deck Health. And, and what that means is that we have um, solutions for employers, for individuals, for families, for small businesses, really anyone who wants to take, um, take advantage of um, accessing direct primary care but also um, emergency services. And you can't plan for that. You can't, you can't plan for um, having something happen to you in the middle of the night. You can plan for a surgery, but you can't plan for, you know, a heart attack or something like that in the middle of the night. So, you know, you've got your primary care side, right, that can really address, let's say, 90, 90% of, of your medical needs. Um, but, you know, what about, what about that emergency side? Um, it's a really nice partnership for DPCs. We do have an in-house DPC. Um, but we also partner with um, just other other DPCs in the area because at the end of the day, we're just a community and we're all trying to be advocating for, for these patients. So um, we kind of fit, uh, fit nicely with them. So we're kind of the, the 6%. So we've got, we cover 96% um, of, of everybody's, you know, really healthcare needs with the exception of surgeries or something catastrophic. Um, which that's why you have, um, we obviously encourage you to have catastrophic coverage for, for those car accidents, right? Um, mm-hmm. those, those situations you can't plan for. Um, if that answers your question a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's always, it's always, you know, what happens out of the primary care um, office that a lot of, a lot of critics of the, the free market or the cash pay movement um, really point to and, to see a facility like yours occupying a vast majority of that, um, you mentioned that there are some limitations on services you can provide here. So I wanted to ask you, what type of trends are you seeing across the country in terms of emergent care? Are you seeing facilities like yours continue to grow and continue to pop up? Or are you going to be more comprehensive? Or are people looking at this and saying, it's, it's just not there yet. There's no way these, these, this kind of type of a center can work. There's definitely not a lot of the, the independent uh, freestanding ER that provides access to um, kind of that concierge treatment. So um, mm-hmm. the, the freestanding ERs are, yes, popping up everywhere, but they're still, you're still going to have the same issues that you have with going into a, a hospital ER. You're going to have weights. You're going to have, you have no idea what your bill is going to look like. Um, so yes, those are still popping up, but, um, the issue we're having and we're seeing is, you know, part of, part of my job, what I'm tasked with is just educating, right. And getting the word out there that we are different because there is a lot of steerage in, um, in our area, um, and Mm -hmm. in Texas as a whole, but really with these companies I'm calling on and these, these brokers, these insurance brokers I'm talking to, they're saying, Hey, we don't want anybody. We tell them during open enrollment, don't go anywhere near freestanding ERs, they are the devil. So, um, really? we have to, yes. Yeah. So we really have to try to explain to them why, why we're different. Look, we can help you control, control these, the, this crazy spend. I mean, we had, there was a situation, um, at a, at a city in, in Texas and there was, um, $3 million in ER abuse 
um, that a, a city was was faced with. And it was it was literally from I think it was nine, nine, nine employees. They had hit their deductible and they just started going to the emergency room and using it as their primary care because they didn't have a they didn't have a primary care doctor. So they just they had already met the deductible. So they just kept going into the ER. And that was a, wow. that was a huge issue, obviously, for, for that for that city to deal with. So um, that's that's my job to go in and say, hey, let's get a let's get control of this. You know, your employees should be we want them to be seeing a, a primary care doctor regularly so they won't have to be going into the ER all the time. And then, you know, we can look at some membership models and you can pre-buy these emergency, these emergency room visits for your employees. You can, you know, pay for them up front or you can um, pay at the end of the year, but it's, it's kind of a flat fee and you're not having to worry about, um, you know, these, these crazy bills. And I appreciate you going into kind of how, you know, the, the, the payment structure of the emergency center works there, but you said something and that it kind of perked up my antennae here. The concept mm-hmm. that freestanding ERs are the devil. Can you explain a little bit more <laughs> about what that means and why that notion yeah. is prevalent? Yeah, it, it's because of the, the crazy unexpected bills that um, these, these uh, employers are, are having to pay. And they're it's really unfortunate, but they, they're putting in places of uh, what they're, uh, sorry, what they're saying is that if, if they've got employees that they feel like are, quote unquote, abusing ERs, they've been to the ER three times this year. And if it wasn't a true emergency, we're going to penalize you, which is terrible, because it shouldn't be the the employee who is self-diagnosing what they have and, and trying to make that, make that call on their own. So, so there, there, there is this steerage of they're bad. Do not go there. You go to a emergency, you go to an urgent care or you go to a, your doctor, but stay away from freestanding ERs altogether. Uh, okay. Um, All right. So, yeah. so people within these plans, you know, self-funded plans, for instance, are using ERs and then, you know, staying away from, are they staying away from hospital owned ERs and just going to freestanding ones? Or is no, this a problem no, for everybody? I think it's just all, e- they're saying all ERs. They're just, the steerages stay away from ERs, but especially stay away from freestanding ERs because they feel like there's, you know, it's not affiliated with a hospital. So they're, mm-hmm. It's even it's even more gray area. We have no idea what we're going to get charged. All of our charges are there's no way for them to quantify that. So right, they're not. They, they're, they're it's all out of network or whatever that is, which is an interesting argument yeah. because they have no idea what that visit is going to cost them, anyways, to any type of a hospital ER. But uh, I guess that's that's a, a different different talking point to say the least here. So how do you get around that? How do you get around the fact that somebody's trying to vilify what you guys are doing and you're saying no, no, no? we're the good guys. We're on your side. Look at our, here's our prices. We put them right on our website. You guys can figure everything out there. Yes. Yeah. It's hard. And that's, and that's what I do all day long is, is meet with people and say, this is why we're different because we can't really, we can't market ourselves. We have to be very careful how we just verbiage, how we um, market ourselves um, to the public. So when you look at us, we, our facility says the emergency center. So it looks, and it's not attached to anything, right? It's a freestanding ER. So it's my job to have meetings and have these real discussions and say, Hey, I know looks can be deceiving, but this is how we're different. And I, this is an introduction and we want to partner with you. If it's a, if it's a, a, uh, you know, a large broker firm 
um, they have a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, we saw this yesterday. Um, they have a lot of influence. So, you know, it's my job to say, hey, look, this is how we're different. This is how we can actually help your employees save money by working with us and, and how we are different. Do you, do you help those brokers and employers educate their employees? Yes. Yeah. And it's, um, I think education is a big, big chunk of, um, the change, right? Um, it's just, just like you would have the, the DPC, if we're partnered with the DPC, um, going in and saying how important it is to have wellness checks and to, um, have these events where they come out and meet with all of the employees and they do a physical, um, it's our job to, to go and educate during kind of that open enrollment period and make it fun and let them, let them know who we are and this is how we're accessible. And, you know, when you come and see us, we have, um, Bruce, we have, you know, the Spruce app where you can text us immediately and you've got access when you leave our ER you have access to um, you know, a healthcare professional with a, in the facility and a, and a physician. And um, we're with you along the way after you leave. So um, education is huge. I'm glad you mentioned that. Oh, absolutely. And we see that from a Freedom Health Work standpoint, too, and educating uh, not just patients or individuals, but educating physicians, too. The fact that there are mm-hmm. other options out there and you don't have to just push people down the same referral channels that don't work anyways. Um, there are other options out there. So I totally agree with you that education is something that uh, is so important to have and to just kind of revamp people's you know, mindset and, and point of view. And that's something that is echoed on you know, every single person um, that I've talked to uh, in this industry and on this podcast. Everybody says mm-hmm. the same thing. Education is where we can make the most impact from it. Peyton, I wanted to to get your take again more on an industry level um, uh, point of view here. I hear the word data being tossed around more and more within the direct care space. Um, some people use data as a way to say, look how awesome these doctors are doing. Um, data is our friend. Data is our ally. It shows that this type of care model does work. I also hear from the other side saying that there's just not enough data out there to show that, you know, things, words like quality. Where do you guys sit on the data argument and how do you generate your own data and what does that data show? That is a loaded question, right? <laughs> uh, like you said, there's a, lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of noise out there as far as there's not enough data. There's plenty of data or there's skewed data. So um, I feel like there is a lot of skewed data. It's hard to quantify, right? Um, mm-hmm. How many emergency room visits are, are, you know, level one? How many are level four? There's such a gray area because we, we believe a lot of things are, can be mislabeled. So um, the data is, a, is kind of a, a sticky question. That's the hard one for me to answer. Um, we do are kind of conducting our own research and, and data and the physicians. Um, that's why we're constantly, we're ever changing um, in, in this space, right? And just from conversations with, you know, partnering with certain DPCs or talking to a broker, we're, oh, we're changing. We need to change our offerings. We need to do this more. And then that's kind of a work in progress, to be honest, um, the, the data, the data sure. conversation. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, not to be a trick question or anything like that, but it's always fascinating to see how these new uh, innovative uh, emergency centers are using this. So let me ask it in a different way. You know, what are you seeing most people use your uh, ERs? What kind of services are they looking for? 
when they're coming in off of the street or if they are saying, Hey, I am interested in a membership. Uh, let's just talk walk-ins. Um, well, I think that that's probably, it's probably similar to just anybody going into walking into an, uh, any other freestanding ER, right. Or similar, I guess, to an, uh, to an urgent care. It could be, I'm feeling sick. <laughs> I have a sore throat or I've just shot myself in the leg, which we, <laughs> you know, this has been in the last couple of weeks we've had two gunshots. So, um, and we can, we can take care of those people. Oh, no. Um, yeah. but it, it, it really ranges. I mean, from level one to level five, we're seeing it all. So there's really, um, not, not one or the uh, over the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you mentioned earlier that 96% of the people who come through, you're like, okay, all right, we can treat you. There's no wait. Um, so, Looking at what you guys are doing and what you're able to accomplish down there, you have multiple sites set up throughout the state. Where's your growth coming from? Yeah. Um, you know, we're still in the infancy stages as far as the um, offering memberships and um, through on deck health and um, partnering with um, brokers and employers and creating those connections. Cause um, it's a, it's a long kind of sales cycle, if you will, right? Because it's really new. It's new concept. Um, you can sit down with an employer and say, hey, we can save you. Um, and this isn't a conversation coming from me. This is just from um, some kind of forward thinking, progressive brokers, right? They'll sit down and say, hey, this is, this is, this is kind of your traditional model. This is, this is what we've put together that's untraditional. And we can save you half a million dollars a year or even a quarter of a million dollars a year. And they they are so shocked and, and they don't believe it. It's too good to be true. And then too you know good what? To be true. Yep. most of the time, right. Most of the time they won't do it. They get scared. It's too new. They don't do it. Some people, some people will go for it. Right. Uh, leap of, leap of faith, but 80% right now are not willing to, uh, to, to jeopardize their, the company, right. And, and uh, their reputation by taking that leap of faith. So really what we're seeing, where we're seeing this be very successful and it's going to be a wave, right. And it's, it's trickling and it's happening, but really with the smaller companies that, or even nonprofits that want to offer their, they want to offer their employees something and they can't afford healthcare. So these are nice offerings for them. Um, because now that this is something that they feel is very kind of white glove concierge care, but it's not, it's not extremely expensive. It's very affordable. Isn't that amazing that somebody can look at something and say, look, this is real. These are real numbers. These are real savings. Someone looks at that and says, mm, no, no, thanks. I'm going to pass. I just, I never understood that. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, and, and w what I've, what I've, what I've been seeing is there are some more of these progressive brokers that will put together these plans and they say, Hey, look, I don't even make money until you save money. So the more money you save, that's how I pay my bills. So I, I am incentivized by saving you as much money as possible and providing you the best care for your, for your company. And they still won't do it. So it's, um, it's, 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 a, it's happening, but it's like you said, it's, taking some time. It's just education, right? It'd be, it'd be so much easier if we could just have a PSA announcement. <laughs> Get the shooting star, the more you know, right? Can we just bring those back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, if we could have a, yeah, if we could have a, a PSA announcement, we've got um, you know, TV ads and uh, if we could have the, the media talking about, you know, 
all of these, these um, forward thinking kind of the self-insurance world, but it's not that easy, right? This is very grassroots for everybody. So it's, um, it's all about working together and just trying to, to change, change the, that, that thought process. Indeed. Um, well, yep. we cover, we, we yep. talked about a lack of education out there in the market. Um, we've talked about people's perceptions of, or unwillingness to change even for the better. What else limits, in your opinion, uh, the growth of your ERs or other freestanding cash pay ERs uh, in the U.S.? What, what else limits you? That's a good question. I don't really feel like we have, well, I mean, yes, there are limits, right? We have limits with insurance companies and working with them and you know, we don't want to, we don't want to rock the boat, if you will. Right. So we're, we're, we want to stay in our lane. <laughs> um, I guess our limits would be right now, because you and I have talked about this before ambulance, <laughs> the, the ambulance, we can't, we can only control our, what we can control, right. You can control the controllables. That right, is not one right. of them. So that's probably what we, what we're limited with right now. And just to give some color on what you mean there, if somebody is having chest pain and they dial 911, what happens in that process? Because I think that's a process that not many people are very aware of. Just walk us through uh, what happens if I picked up the phone, dialed 911 and said, I'm having chest pains. I need to go somewhere. So um, that, that's a hard one to answer because it depends in Texas anyway. It, it depends on what city you're in. If if you are in, you know, the city where I live, if I call 911 and I get picked up by, by an ambulance and I say, I want you to take me to this freestanding ER versus that hospital, um, they'll, they'll do that. They should do that because that's the, that's what the patient is, is requesting. There are some cities that have contracts with an ambulance fleet and that ambulance fleet is contracted with the city and the city says you only go to these hospitals, no freestanding ERs. So we don't, even if we have somebody who is a member of ours and they say, I want to go to the emergency center, they won't, they cannot take them there. And that's something that we, that's, that's been a, been a battle, but we haven't started um, that because that's, bigger than us right now. <laughs> so sure. we haven't, we haven't started address, haven't started addressing that. You know, we're really just trying to, to help as many people as we can. And that is a big fish to swallow right now. So we haven't started kind of chipping away at that where we're trying to, like I said, control what we can. So in those areas where, you know, the cities that don't have those contracts in place, um, we don't, we don't have that problem. We can, you know, th those people can say, I want to go to the emergency center and they'll take them there. So that's great. It, it's just something that I find absolutely fascinating and something that I didn't know anything about. You know, I figured it's kind of like when you walk into a room and turn on a light switch, the light just works. Most people just are like, oh, there's no problem here. I don't think about power coming from the plant all the way through the transmission lines, through transformers to my house. Same thing with picking up 911, which is a great service, you know, in the U.S., but then what happens? How does, how does the ambulance get dispatched? And then, you know, if you are fortunate enough to be able to instruct the ambulance on where to go and they're able to do that contractually, but it, it's fine. It's fascinating on the other end of it that some of these ambulances, you know, these are, these are my words, not yours, but some of these ambulance services have strict monopolies on coverage on service area. And then they're able to cherry pick the best contracts to take them to the best hospitals. 
to me, something there just seems off. Not necessarily from a financial aspect, but what if these hospitals, what if these ERs that they're taking them to aren't really the best for whatever condition that you're being threatened with at that point in time? So there's a lot of questions that kind of kind of pop up from this, and um, you know, not gonna not gonna ask them here, but I'd encourage everybody out there to try to dig into this issue a little bit as far as ambulances. So Peyton, um, we we talked a little bit before. You said again that you're able to provide 96% of any services that someone can come through the door and and need your help with. What is that other four percent? You mentioned surgeries. Is that the extent of it? Well, you've got your you have surgeries. You have um, catastrophic event. You have a car accident that you you don't always you can't plan for, right? So um, just the unknown, and that's why you know, having coverage, a catastrophic coverage plan is, is so important because we we can't plan for those and we can't always accommodate that. You know, we can't accommodate if somebody needs a blood transfusion, we don't have, you know, that available to us. And that's when our facility would have to, there'd have to be a transfer. And, you know, we, we arrange that we have transport agreements and things of that nature, but we can't, um, we can't help those people, right? You've just had, um, you just had your, an accident and you just removed half of your leg was just cut cut off in an accident. Um, we can't, we can't help you there, right? We have to, we have to, we have to send you out, but, um, you know, those are, thank goodness, rare events for a lot of people, but it is, Mm -hmm. it's important to have that backup plan in place. Yeah. Do you, do you see people coming in and saying, Hey, I need help this right now. I mean, how do you handle something like that? If that were to happen? Yeah. Um, you know, they would, we would immediately arrange to have them transported. We have had situations like that where they've, you know, Hey, this is, this is, this is bigger than us. You need a blood transfusion. We're going to, we're going to transport you. And then we transport them to the, to the closest hospital. And then at that point we don't have control over any quality, right. Or, or any care. And this has happened. We've had one of our patients that was having great care. She was, she was um, treated, um, seen, she was put into a room. She had, um, she was, you know, talking to a physician. She was given a warm blanket and then she had to be transported, transported because they couldn't help her. She needed a blood transfusion. So they transported her to the closest hospital and she was waiting and waiting and waiting. And she had, like, at that point, we just can't, we can't control it. And that's what's, that's what's hard for us. Our, our owner created the emergency center because we're, they are very passionate and ethical and care about their patients. And so when there are those times when they, they can't take care of them, that's a cha- that's challenging for us. Oh, I bet. I bet you're able to, to comfort them at least. And then you got to send them off to a place where they have to take a number and get in line there. That's uh it doesn't, it doesn't happen often. Like I said, we have had, gunshot, uh, mm-hmm. you know, victims that have come in and it's, um, thank goodness it's been, um, accidental and not life threatening, but still, um, we were able to take care of them and treat them at the facility without transferring them out. And I'm just glad that they, they came to us instead of going into an emergency room. And I think that there, there are a lot of people, I know I, before I knew anything about this space or anything about the emergency center, hated going into an emergency room because, I didn't like the care. I didn't feel like they cared about me. I didn't get any time with a physician. And if I did, it was, I didn't feel like I was being treated with much respect. I waited forever. And so mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's really, really special. What, what the emergency center. 
is doing and to change kind of the, the face of that emergency room. Does, do you get calls from anybody out there uh, in different states for saying, how do I do this? How do I replicate what you guys are doing? No, but we have, um, we've had some discussions about, you know, partnering with others to, um, and that's what kind of what the, the future looks like for us, you know, um, what, whether what the kind of a micro, um, um, hospital, a micro, um, the emergency center partnering with, um, other groups is always on the horizon. Not something we're working on right now, but yes, it's that, that has come up in, in, in other states. Yeah. And I'm looking at that and saying, how can we continue to spread this type of thinking? Um, whether you guys put emergency centers in all 50 states, all towns, big cities, everything, or there's other people out there who are interested in providing these type of services. So I think it's a benefit uh, either way we slice it here. So Peyton, this is one of my favorite uh, segments of, of Healthcare Americana here. So we call this the crystal ball segment. And it's where we ask you to gaze into your crystal ball and just kind of dream with us and tell us where you think your organization and, and the industry, where are we going from here? Wow. Yeah, that's a, um, that's tough to, to see, right? It sh- I feel like it changes every week, right? Where we're going, what we want to do. But I think it's about educating people and, um, you know, and, and trying to reach the masses one at a time. But I see more and more DPCs popping up. And I think more and more people becoming these physicians, becoming independent and saying, you know what? We're, we're losing this quality of care. And I got into this to take care of my patients and I'm not doing that anymore. And, and I don't feel good about it. And I'm going to do this on my own. So we're seeing a lot of that. Um, I do see more and more partnerships like this. You know, you're starting to see these independent um, surgery centers that are contracting. And I think that this is just going to continue to evolve and to grow. And I'm super excited about it. And I'm so glad to be a part of this, um, this movement and, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. I would like for it to happen sooner than later, but, um, you know, staying optimistic. I like that a lot. I'm right there with you. Well, Peyton, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Wish you the best of luck and look forward to following all your success. Thank you so much. I was so glad to be a part of this. Healthcare Americana is powered by Freedom HealthWorks, produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. I'm Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi, everyone. Just a reminder from our awesome sponsors at the Free Market Medical Association to check out their annual conference that is coming up in Dallas, Texas, April 30th through May 2nd. We're going to be there, and I hope you will too. Visit fmma.org for more information.